Well, friends, you know it's Monday because my YouTube camera needs adjusting. But without adjusted, well, you know it's Monday because here's my voice. It's a little raspy today, eh? Rocking a little bit of a uh, bit of the old seasonal allergies, and apparently uh, it's giving me jazz voice, so... I mean, that's something. That's, that's not nothing. You know what else isn't nothing? Our theme song. Let's get to that. Rob Curry, take us to the theme. Ray Gun. Oh my golly, I like that song. I like that song. Wait, didn't Rob Curry give us a Halloween? Or no, I think it was a Christmassy track. I think. Give me a Halloween track last year. I think it was a Christmas track. Hey, anyway, it doesn't matter. You got what you get. If I find the Halloween-y one, I'll put it as the end credits. How's that sound? Anyway, hey, friends, what's going on? My raspy voice notwithstanding. Hope uh, your Monday's going as well as mine is. I am cruising along very nicely, drinking a beer, and I'm going to um, spoil a bit of a surprise if you uh, haven't read the titling yet. I got a check var on the go, just sucking this one right out of the can, as you do. Mmm. That's tasty. That's a tasty beer. Uh, tonight, it is the day before Halloween. Tomorrow night, Halloween. Exciting stuff. I hope if you have young people in your life, they've got their costume all sorted out. And I hope if you're an older person in, in life, you've got candy all sorted out to give to all the cool, cute little kids that come around with their costumes. Don't be one of those people who just turns out the light. Come on. Get in there. Support our kids in the neighborhood. Anyway, uh, you know, in honor of Halloween, I was thinking about it. I had a, a pumpkin beer there the other day and reminded myself that as much as I like pumpkin, I'm just really not into pumpkin beer for the most part. Those Saison de Pumps, I can roll. There are a couple of others that are I can handle. For the most part, friends, that is just not what I want to be drinking. And then I thought, well, what what else could I do? And uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there's some stuff. But then I remembered I've been sitting on something for a while, specifically, actually, since my birthday. And I, I wanted to, to consume this. And uh, and also, I thought it would be kind of fun to do it on a podcast. So uh, for tonight, because it was Halloween, one of my favorite things as a kid to get, I liked a bunch of the candies, but man, I loved it when you got a bag of chips in your Halloween candy, either a, a plain Lay's or some nacho cheese Doritos. Actually, that's about it. That's about all I ever got. I don't think I ever got any other flavors than those two, but I was fine with that. Both of them were great, especially the Doritos, if I'm honest with you. But because I used to love getting bags of chips in my Halloween satchel and because for my birthday, my family bought me this beautiful bag of chips. I thought I would do this as the review on the podcast tonight. These are Lay's craft beer flavored chips. So I'm told. Now, if you're not watching the video, you might not appreciate that this is clearly from a country where they don't use the same alphabet that we do. 
I don't know if I, I, I don't, I can't read this at all. I, I can read the word lays and I can read the nutritional information sticker that they've stuck over the, uh, the actual nutritional information. It does say at the bottom of that product of China. I don't know if that's necessarily what language this is, but they're from China and they are craft beer flavored potato chips. Now, I've never done a potato chip review on this here Toronto Beer Podcast, and I'm glad you're along for this, uh, this inaugural run. Now, for the kids at home, there won't be a pour. There will be a pop. Or more of a crumble, I suppose. Mmm. Alright, well, we're gonna start with the aroma. It, they smell like potato chips. I didn't appreciate how much you have to shake around a bag of potato chips to get some aroma going. I'll take a chip out and smell it directly. It's a nicely, deeply crinkled chip. I don't know if you can see this. It's more crinkly than the average crinkle chip, I'll tell you that. I mean... They smell like potato chips. Maybe a little bit like nutritional yeast, which would kind of make sense. I need a sip of beer because I'm about to cough. I also have a bit of a cough to accompany this throat. Odd sound. Mmm. Anyway, that's what, uh... Uh, I suppose... Do we call check for our craft beer? The Brewers Association probably wouldn't, but I would. All right. Yeah. All I get in terms of smell off of this is potatoes and maybe a hint of nutritional yeast. Let's, uh, let's go to the taste. Oh, hmm. Whoa. I'm very surprised. Hmm. It's odd. They're quite a bit sweeter than I was expecting them to be. Hmm. Hmm. They're sweet with just a hint of something slightly acidic, slightly, and then hmm, I'm not really getting nutritional yeast off them. That said, there is something mildly astringently hoppy about them. They, uh, hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know what they taste like. They don't taste like craft beer necessarily. They don't taste bad. Just unexpected. That slightly tangy note kind of touches on, like, a salt and vinegar chip. But there's this really sweet... Can't quite. It's not malty quite. Maybe it is. Maybe it's supposed to be. Maybe it's just like malt extract. I need a sip of real beer. Mmm. Sorry, we've just had a bunch of people join. If you're just joining in, I'm not doing a beer tonight. Tonight I'm doing Lay's craft beer flavored potato chips. 
from China. It's an odd mouthful, I'll tell you that. <coughs> Actually, that sweetness with that bit of a sourness, it almost tastes a little bit like a ketchup chip, but not as, as acidic and tart as a ketchup chip typically would. Mm, and MSG. By the way, there's MSG in here. Fact. I think... I think there's MSG, a bit of nutritional yeast, uh, uh, malt extract powder, DME we would call it, dried malt extract, and... Yeah, again, the finish, there's this weird, it's actually almost more herbal. Kind of almost parsley-like. Like, I wouldn't have called it a hoppy thing, but then again, I'm not used to tasting hops on potato chips. Hmm. Well, let's, let's see what the ingredients uh, say here. Now, as noted, this is a, a sticker that's been put over the original ingredients, which were... Oh, I've just ripped it. That really... Okay, that... Mm, gonna have to do a little reconstruction here. Take it to the FBI forensics lab. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay, okay, I think I got it. I think I got it. Uh, potato chips, craft beer flavor. Ingredients, potato, vegetable oil... Craft beer flavor seasoning, which includes sodium bicarbonate, citric acid, food flavor. Oh, well, that is. Disodium 5 ribonucleotide. And then I think it says aspartame but that's right in one of the rips that I accidentally introduced. Okay, so maybe that sweetness is aspartame. Citric acid, that makes sense. And then that craft beer food flavor, which I mean, if you don't know what craft beer food flavor is, we're not friends. I don't know what it is either. Um, that's a tasty chip. It does not taste anything like any craft beer I've ever consumed. At least that I can remember. The sweet thing still kind of, hmm, kind of, it's a little too sweet, I think, to be beer. If uh, the people at the Lay's factory in China would like to uh, employ my services to help them with the uh, food design on this. I think we could tighten that recipe up a little bit. Make it a little more craft beer. I mean, we could make a series. We could have the hipster sour. That'd be easy. We'd need a... Well, I was, it's just salt and vinegar chips, but with less salt. That'd be the ghosts. We would just put salt and vinegar chips in a bag and say it's ghosts. Mm. Yes, Erica, I will save you one or two, and I'm just noticing I've got comments here. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, Jared was confused when he heard salt and vinegar. Yeah, yeah, odd. Not exactly craft beer flavored. Not bad, though. Not bad. I will say, the chips themselves, with those very deep ridges, very nicely crunchy. Not super potato-y, though. They smelled like potato chips. But there's not a lot of potato flavor in there, although it could be getting masked by the craft beer flavoring, food flavor, craft beer food flavor. Also, whatever that hoppy, minty, parsley thing, it's actually kind of building. Every chip I have, my mouth is subsequently more um, uh, uh, slightly herbally minty. Anyway, um, tasty little chip. I believe, I believe Erica said she bought these off of some imported snack website. She was buying something else and saw them and thought, oh, uh huh, Chris would like those, or at least would like to try them. And I didn't dislike them. I probably wouldn't go out of my way to procure them again, unless I was doing it for somebody else's uh, first time experience uh, enjoying them for myself. Yeah, I'll happily finish that bag, aside from the one or two I saved for Erica. These are Lay's craft beer flavored potato chips. Product of China. Don't know where they're available. Probably China. Who knows where else? Places where people want their potato chips to taste like craft beer. Which, if you've seen the potato chip flavorings in uh, the United Kingdom, craft beer actually isn't that unusual. You know, you might get, uh, you might get roast beef dinner flavored chips there from like uh, McCoy's or Tato. Uh, that's not an uncommon one. Um, uh, I remember uh, 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 ham and mustard. That's a, that's a mental picture right there on a potato chip, no less. And then, of course, the ones that people always like to talk about because they're arguably either the worst or the best. And I'm kind of in the latter camp, which is uh, cheese and onion. And the first thing you need to know about that is it's not like sour cream and onion. It's like sharp cheddar and pickled onion. And uh, so they're quite acidic and tart and oniony with a kind of cheddary taste. They're real good, uh, but uh, it's maybe a bit of an acquired taste. And then and then, of course, the best, which is uh, prawn cocktail, which tastes ostensibly of shrimp and um Mary Rose sauce. So they don't use the same sauce that we use for a shrimp cocktail in the UK. We use basically it's like ketchup with horseradish mixed into it. They use a sauce that's more like a creamy ketchupy sauce, not so much on the horseradish. Uh, anyway, those are good tasting chips. Odd. Uh, and as I say, odder probably than uh, than uh, craft beer flavored. So I'd say get in there. Yeah, see if you can find yourself some of these uh, craft beer flavored Lay's potato chips. Super ridgy. Oh, I'm uh, trying to hold it up to both cameras. It's obviously the cameras are at different angles. So very deep ridges. Yeah, not a bad chip. I've, I've grabbed chips off of uh, the shelf at like TNT or something like that 
on a lark thinking, wow, I wonder what that's going to taste like, and have been significantly less impressed than I am with these. They're tasty. So thank you to uh, Miss Erica and my kids for that for my birthday. Tasty chip. Now, normally we would say, what would you eat while you drink this beer? Today we're saying, what will you drink while you eat this chip? I mean, the check bars were actually working pretty well. Knocking some of that sweetness off, because as I said, it was maybe a little sweet for my tastes. I would worry if you did something like big and heavy like an IPA that it might just, you might not taste much of anything anymore on the chip side. Yeah, I'd go with a snappy lager. Keep it in the snappy lager realm and you'll be fine. Or like, if you really want to lean into the chip, a light beer, get like a three-speed from Amsterdam or PBR or something like that. Something that doesn't taste like much. I think you'd be okay with that. I think you would be okay with that indeed. Well, that is what we had. Just one more view of that bag. Craft beer flavored potato chips from Lay's, product of China, ordered on the internet, consumed by me. Uh, let me have a sip of beer. Stretch out my back a little, a little stiff here today. I'll give you a recap of the uh, what happened this weekend. Spoiler alerts. Oh, Erica is uh, chiming in. The, uh, these potato chips were ordered from candyfunhouse.ca. That's all one word. Candyfunhouse.ca. If you want to get your own craft beer flavored Lay's potato chips. Mm. With that said, let's talk about the weekend. Let's talk about what happened. A, a did you watch? I've been telling you to watch. I think I promised last week that the, the game this weekend might well be one of the all-time great games. All the all the ingredients were there. Whoever won between New Zealand and South... Oh, by the way, uh, England beat Argentina, but only barely. So there's that. That was the bronze medal game. Uh, but no, New Zealand against South Africa. Whoever won was going to win the World Cup for the fourth time, and they would become the first team to have won the Rugby World Cup for the fourth time. So that was a pretty big deal. Uh, South Africa and New Zealand, you know, easily the, the top two, or at least in the top three uh, teams in the world right now, playing rugby from the gods. Beautiful stuff. Exciting build-up to get there. Like I said, all... all all signs pointed to this being a game for the ages, and actually what we got was kind of a crap game, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> that said, spoilers, if you haven't seen, I mean, you should have seen by now, but if you haven't, I'm about to tell you who won. It was South Africa, by a point. It was, uh, was it 13 to 12? I've forgotten even the score now, but they won by a single point. I think it was 13 to 12. Uh, hang on, no, because South Africa only kicked points, so it couldn't have been 13. It must have been 16 to 15. I'm going to go with 16 to 15. Um, yeah. Which is great. South Africa went back to back. It, it, that's really hard to do. It's impressive. They're the first team to win four World Cups. South Africa is... At this point, this is a, a, you know, a generational team that we're talking about here. Just wall to wall, beautiful players playing amazing rugby, 
fantastic stuff. New Zealand actually didn't play as nice as they have at other points in this tournament, but certainly weren't lacking for creativity and trying. Also, the only of the two teams that actually, you know, scored a try. So that's something they did then fail to convert that try, which was shocking. That said, the weather was awful. It was just pouring down rain in uh, in Paris that night, Saturday night. And uh, and so it was going to be a tricky game, attritional because of the weather, it wasn't likely going to be a really fast, flowy game, which is kind of what everybody was hoping for. But that doesn't mean that it can't uh, it can't still be a game for the ages. Uh, but indeed, what ended up happening was the uh, team of officials kind of decided to make the game about them. And uh, while there were a couple of times when especially the the intervention of the TMO, the television match official, which is the, the instant replay, uh, was necessary, uh, especially in the second half. It felt like almost every time the whistle blew, they were stopping to look at something on the replay, often then reversing what had just been called. Oh, no, there was a there was a really marginal little knock on here. And uh, that's uh, oh, we can't have that. It became very, very tiresome and very very annoying. Now, if you listen to the pundits, they're going to keep talking about the controversy in the officiating. In a vacuum, I can agree with that. I thought the officiating was controversial, but not in the way that most of the pundits, at least on the BBC, were talking today. Uh, and certainly not the, the people around me uh, uh, while I was watching were saying what most people were talking about was that New Zealand's uh, captain Sam Kane uh, got a, a red card. He had a yellow card that got upgraded to a red in the bunker system in the first half. New Zealand had to play with 14 men for like, oh, what was that? It had to have been in the first 15 minutes of the game. So uh, 65 minutes of the game, at least, uh, down a man. It was a red card for a, uh, a dangerous tackle, shoulder contact directly to the, the chin of the ball carrier. As I say, he was yellow carded. The bunker reviewed it, upgraded it to a red, as they should. It was That was as red a card as you can red a card without just punching a person in the face or gouging them in the eyes with your fingers or something. It was a red card all day. People who say, oh, red card ruins the game. Well, tell that to the person who got the red card because nobody made Sam Kane do what he did. Uh, it was just a bad tackle. Subsequently, in the second half, the captain of South Africa got a yellow card, Sia Khaleesi, for head-to-head -head contact, not shoulder-to-head, but head-to-head -head contact, which in the framework is the same. It's There was contact to the ball carrier's head. If it's the, shoulder, or the neck above the shoulders, if it's neck or head contact, immediately there's foul play and we're just trying to figure out to what extent was the play foul. Khaleesi went off with the yellow and was then uh, allowed to return to play after 10 minutes. He was not upgraded to a red. And this is the controversy that people keep talking about. Uh, I, I can understand how with, let's say, a limited understanding of the laws of rugby, uh, you might think that was controversial. Why did one guy get a red card for head contact and the other guy who had head contact only got a yellow and uh, it's actually pretty straightforward for the second one for the South African player Sia Khaleesi Sia Khaleesi set nice and low for the tackle went in for the tackle 
Little unclear exactly what led to the head contact. Either as he made the tackle, his own head hit off the ball that the ball carrier was carrying and came up as the ball carrier was coming down and their heads met and hit. I actually think that's what people were saying today. I actually think um, the player was being tackled by another South African and he was lowering in his height because of that. And so Khaleesi made a, a legal tackle. But in the process of that happening, the, the ball carrier's head came down and hit Khaleesi in the head, which might sound harsh that Khaleesi would get a yellow for that um, if he was making a legal tackle. Uh, but the thing is, if your head contacts, if any part of your body contacts another player's head, you're in deep trouble, whether you meant to do it or not. You have to be in control of your body. You have to be in control of the situation. If it's marginal and you're worried, you're supposed to just let it go, not make the tackle. That, of course, never happens. But that's why Khaleesi uh, didn't have his card upgraded. It, it fit the, the uh, measure of the law perfectly. There was head contact. There was foul play. The degree of danger actually was questionable. It probably actually wasn't particularly high, which in of itself could make it reduced from a red card to a yellow card. But the biggest thing was the ball carrier's uh, head changed height. Height, and that's important. It changed height. With Sam Kane's red card in the first half, what happened was Kane was going for a tackle. I don't remember who it was he was tackling, um, but... He, he wasn't actually going to be making a tackle. I don't think he thought he was going to be making a tackle, but the player changed direction very suddenly, basically stepped on a foot and, and cut to one side directly into Kane. Now, he was doing it to avoid another tackler. There's nothing wrong with that. In rugby, you are allowed to change direction as much or as little as you want. There's nothing wrong with that. Kane, unfortunately, wasn't set for the tackle, and rather than trying to get out of the way of the player, which would be counterintuitive to a rugby player, in that split second, he made the call to, OK, I'm just going to try and wrap him in a tackle. The problem was he hadn't crouched down. He, we talk about hinging at the waist. He was still completely upright, chest forward, head up. And as he drove and reached for that tackle, his shoulder drove into the player's face, his chin specifically. Now. Some people say there should have been mitigation applied because the ball carrier's head changed height, but the ball carrier's head did not change height. You can see it very, very, very clearly in the replay. Dead flat, dead straight. He changed direction, but as noted, that's not mitigation. Players are allowed to change direction, and it doesn't impact your responsibility as the tackler. What we had was shoulder-to-chin contact, contact to the head, high degree of danger, absolutely. Whether or not you want to argue that his head change tight, mitigation, whatever, there's actually an overarching rule that kicks in a law, which is there can be no mitigation applied to a, a situation if the original action was always illegal. So Sam Kane's tackle was always illegal. He was upright. He was too high. And his shoulder was going to hit the player in the face no matter what he did. The action was never legal. It was never going to be a legal tackle. So they can't apply mitigation. It could have been a low degree of danger. The player's head could have been changing height. Like you can, you can make up almost anything you want. But if the original action of the tackler, in this case, Kane, wasn't legal, then you can't apply mitigation. 
The instant the original action is illegal, it is the maximum penalty. And in this case, for shoulder-to-face contact, the maximum penalty is a red card. It has to be. The officials actually don't even have a choice in that case. They, they, would, they would find themselves in trouble if they ruled that as anything less. It made a lot of people angry. I understand. Red cards certainly do impact what happens in the game. Uh, but it was a red card all day. There was no controversy. I mean, there always is going to be. But from a technical point of view, both those calls were perfect. That said, Eben Etzebeth for the uh, Springboks, South Africa, went into a tackle with one arm wrapping and the other arm with his elbow pointed at the all-black player's face and elbowed him directly in the face, and it didn't even get a look. He didn't, there was no whistle. He never didn't even get a penalty. Uh, it was a shocking, shockingly poor game as far as the officials were concerned. There were bad things happening all over the field that really needed to be looked at or really needed to be interpreted differently, and it didn't happen. The worst of which... Actually, there was three things at the very end of the game. The last one, initially, I was outraged about, and then once I'd kind of calmed down, I went, no, 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 that was the right call, which was a mall had formed, which is when a ball carrier goes into contact but doesn't get tackled, he's just being held, and a player from his team comes in and binds onto him to support him. It's called a mall. If the team that's carrying the ball can get that ball out and use it, that's fine. If the team that's defending can strip that ball from the player and use it, that's also fine. If after the mall has been called, so a player's bound on, there's a tackler holding the ball carrier, there's at least three people involved. In this case, I think there's about five. Once the official calls a mall, if you can't get the ball free and use it, likely what's going to happen is the mall's either going to go into touch, out of bounds if you prefer, or somebody in the mall's going to fall over and the whole thing's going to come down because they're going to trip over them. If it's the team that's defending that falls down, it's a penalty. And the uh, the team that had the ball, in this case the Springboks, would have had the choice to simply make a quick tap and kick it to touch because the clock was red, which means the game was over. We're just waiting for the play to end. On the other hand, if it's a South African that collapses the mall and it falls down, if the South African scrum half can get the ball out, or, or anybody, but it's typically the scrum half, can get that ball out and make use of it, then that's fine. The mall went down where it went down, the ball was played, and everything was okay. But the ball wasn't available, it was covered, which is what you typically want to do if you're on defense in a mall. You just prevent any action. And in that case, it's a scrum for the defending team. So there was a mall formed, it went down, it was a South African that brought it down, so no penalty. But the ball was not available, which means the call is the ball's dead and it's a scrum, except at the end of the game when the clock's gone red, once we're over 80 minutes, any stoppage of play other than a penalty means the game is over. Even though New Zealand should have gotten the ball, they don't because the game is over because it's just a scrum, whistle blows, that's the end of the game. I was outraged about it at the time, but I was wrong and that happens sometimes. What was more outrageous was what led up to that was uh, a scrum for South Africa around the 40-meter line, their 40-meter line, which means if something happened where that scrum was, particularly a penalty for New Zealand, that's a very kickable penalty. And remember, New Zealand was only losing by a single point. A kicked penalty would be three points. They would have won the game. The first scrum... I, I don't even know. I think the idea that the official had was that South Africa engaged early, 
All right, not South Africa, New Zealand engaged early on South Africa, but they blew them away. They had them on wheels. They were just pushing the scrum back and they pushed it back perfectly. Dead straight, no turning. They just walked the scrum back rather than calling the penalty in favor of New Zealand, which is what I saw, certainly. The official chose to reset, which is why I'm assuming he was playing that they had set early, that New Zealand had gone early. I didn't see that, but whatever. They reset, and the same thing happened, except in this case, the South African hooker managed to get the ball back. So even though they were moving backwards, they were getting bowled over, the New, Zealand, the, the New Zealanders had won the scrum. They just hadn't gotten the ball. Once again, rather than calling the penalty, which is what should have happened, the official let them play on, let the scrum move back about five meters. They got the ball out. That's when the mall was formed. The mall went down. The clock's red. It's game over. The fact that neither of those scrums resulted in a penalty, that's the controversy. And I haven't heard anybody talking about it. It's, it's, it's disgusting. New Zealand, classy. They didn't complain. They didn't shout about it. They accepted that they'd lost. It was upsetting. A lot of guys cried. That's what happens. But they were very, very sportsmanlike in, in loss. But I got to tell you. If I were a Kiwi fan, which I'm not, I didn't have skin in this game. I mean, I like both teams, but I'm not a fan necessarily. That would have been the thing that stuck with me that I would have been raging about. Raging about. Anyway, as it was, South Africa won by kicking many penalties. And no drop goals. They tried two, and both were woeful. Uh, But they did kick a bunch of penalties. As I said, New Zealand had one try, couldn't convert it, a couple of penalties, and not enough to get get the job done. And so that was that. It was, uh, it was frustrating to watch. By the way, I think the score, what did I say? Did, I can't remember if I said 15 and 14, but I just did the math in my head, and I think that makes sense. That would be three penalties for New Zealand and a try unconverted against five penalties for South Africa, which seems about right. Anyway. Good news for South Africa. Great news for rugby in South Africa. A whole generation of kids have now watched the box win two World Cups in a row. It's going to be inspirational. And New Zealand's such a rugby country, it's not that damaging to them that they've lost in the finals. Uh, So from the point of view of rugby, I think it was a good outcome. From the point of view of watching a game, it was probably the most disappointing game I watched this World Cup. Other than Wales losing to Argentina in the quarters, which was personally disappointing, but not particularly surprising given the tournament, but, uh, but yeah, just, I was so keyed up for that game. I was so excited. It was going to be like the game of the century and actually it kind of sucked. So anyway, if you watched it and you enjoyed it, I'm glad to hear that. I didn't have a fantastic time. I had a great time with the people I was with. The whole family came down. We sat with my buddy, Tom and his son. There were other people around. It was great, but the game itself was, that's just my opinion. Anyway, that's it. That's the, that's the end of the Toronto Rugby podcast until the spring when the Six Nations kicks in, and then we'll get back into it, and Ben Johnson can make fun of me for talking about Quidditch too much. Uh, that's what we got tonight. I'm done. I'm sore. I'm achy. I'm tired. Just as a reminder, the review tonight was Lay's Chinese craft beer flavored potato chips, which you can get at candyfunhouse.ca. That is all one word, candyfunhouse.ca. I was enjoying it with a lovely can of Czechvar because why not? I like Czechvar. 
next week, next week I'm going to be on holiday, but I'm not going to be away. I'll probably do a podcast, but if I don't show up in your feed, that's why. I was just having too much fun being on holiday for the week because next week on the uh, when, Wednesday, I think it's Wednesday. I'd have to look at the calendar and make sure. Pretty sure it's Wednesday is uh, my wife and I, Erica, my wife and I, our anniversary, and not just any friends, not just any, but indeed our big two zero, our 20th wedding anniversary. How odd is it to me to think that I've been married to somebody for 20 years? It's something. It is something. This past, oh, now I have to do the math and make sure of this. Was this past March 25 years we'd been together as a couple then? Or is that this... I think that was this past March. Hmm. Long time. Long time. And I gotta tell you, I was gonna say every day better than the last. That's not true. Uh, Not every day better than the last. That's not how real life works. But every day, very, very, very glad to have a real amazing partner who understands me. Oh, who's still watching. Well, that's extra embarrassing. I thought it was somebody else watching. Hi, babe. Every day, very, very pleased to have the most incredible partner who gives me space to be me, but also challenges me to be better than the me that I was the day before. So to my beautiful wife, thank you for the chips. They were odd, but tasty. I'll bring you a few in just a couple of minutes. And uh, if I'm not here next week, that's why. I'm too busy celebrating my anniversary. In that case, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Otherwise, I'll talk at you in seven days. I don't know what I'm going to be drinking. Who knows? It'll be good. It won't be another bag of chips. That's like a one-off thing. At least once a Halloween or something. But we'll get into something tasty. And I will talk at you whenever that is. Here is Rob Curry either playing Link Ray Gun or a, a freaky Halloween song. But I think it's the first one. Have a good night. Future Chris here. I found it. It's freaky.